0: Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are modern homemakers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's January, and it is almost the end of January. Um, For those of you who are uh, catching us as you can, I am talking to you from our studio the day after the inauguration of a new president in America. So wherever you live, I know that you've been watching. I know that you know we have a new president, and I also know that you know that our old president, left without the most graceful departure. So saying all that, I wanted to talk to you today about something that has been on my heart for a while. And we've talked about this before in the years of ministry. And that is the word courtesy. And we've talked about courtesy counting. Courtesy counts. So normally we don't do a quiz on this show, but I'm, I'm going to give you a quiz. You don't, write it, don't, don't write the answers down. Just answer it as you go and get a feel for it. Are you tardy or timely? Do you return your calls, your emails, your texts quickly or disregard them? Do you look around and see what you left after you left? Or as you're leaving, what are you leaving? Pretty good. Don't you like that little alliteration there? How do you handle RSVPs? I know these days we get an invitation on the email. We get an invitation on our phone. We get a text invitation. We can RSVP faster. We don't have to send an RSVP in an envelope. But how do you handle them? And then if you said yes, how do you handle the fact that you're not going after all? Do you regularly express thanks, gratitude, appreciation? Do you notice people in lines ahead of you and behind you? Do you look around to see if someone has two items and you have a cart full? How do you handle your cell phone? Oh, don't you think that cell phones are absolutely terrific? And don't you think that cell phones are absolutely annoying? How can one tool be terrific and annoying? But I think there have been more arguments in America maybe around the world, but in airports and public places and churches and among people over cell phones than maybe any other subject in the last 10 years? You didn't turn it off. You did turn it on. It interrupted the wedding. It interrupted the church. Why do you have that bell going off? da 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 Do you hold the door for others? Do you look over the head of people you're speaking to To see who's behind them, around them, waiting for you. How often do you use the word my? My, my, or I, I. You know when you're two years old, your favorite little word is no and mine. That's mine. Did you ever read that charming little piece that someone wrote about if I see it, it's mine. If I like it, it's mine. If it belongs to you and I want it to belong to me, it's still mine. And the thing goes on and on for maybe 18 or 19 verses. Do you look around when you enter a room and decide, Who are the beautiful people in this room? Who are the powerful people in this room? Who are the people that I want to visit with? Or do you look for the person that God sends you to? Do acknowledge people's presence when they come into your room. My husband and I have had this disagreement for years because I have a hard time focusing. And so when I'm focusing, he can walk through my study And because I don't look up and say, hi, how are you? He feels slighted. And I go, no, this is. So finally, years ago, I said, you can't come through my study. And when I was studying, literally studying or had a a direct e in my um, study space, I put a sign on the door. So the outside door and the interior door do not enter. So he didn't come in but do you acknowledge people's presence when they walk into the room? Do you eat so fast that you're finished before everybody else, certainly before your host? Are you the first to pull over for an emergency vehicle or do you look ahead and say, if I drive fast, I can get five cars up and then when I have to stop, I'll be in the lead so I can start out first? How do you handle your email communications? How many unanswered emails do you have? Do you have road rage do you engage in self-talk in the car? Do your children see you behaving with road rage and then you tell them they should be nice to others? So how'd you do? Every time I do this, I fail. <laughs> By that I mean, I think to myself, why did I forget that? Why did I stop doing that? Well, yesterday something happened in the inaugural events that was simple, was sweet. It was, felt like habitual, but the news just talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. Now, You probably don't know this about me, but I'm kind of a political junkie. I started my college career as a political science major. I had been accepted at Georgetown University, and I just could hardly wait. I would have been a classmate of Hillary Clinton's and her crowd. I thought, this is it. God had a different plan for me. And But my interest in my husband still says, oh, she's a political junkie. Whatever I am, I have made it a habit in my life. I listen to the State of the Union speech every year. I, I make it on my calendar. When the primaries begin and we have all those candidates who are interested in this party or this party and the positions they're interested in, I watch all those debates. And they start with 13 and they wheedle them down, and then they're the presidential debates. I watch all those debates. I watch multiple news channels so I can see and try to get a feel for what I think is really going on. Okay? So when it comes to inaugural time, I watch the inauguration. It doesn't matter if my guy won or my girl won now. It doesn't matter. It does not matter to me because this is an exchange of power. This is a democracy. There are things that are happening all day. And for me, one of the things I'm always looking for at these big events, okay, we just inaugurated a new president, but there were a lot of young political wannabes, who may be the next president. So I'm always watching how everybody is behaving and how do they walk down the hallway and how do they help someone? Did they snub someone? Did they turn around? Well, yesterday, there were all those important Hollywood people there. And who did they gravitate to? And then there were all those presidents. And who gravitated to them? Did they stop first to say hello to the little couple who nobody knew their name? Or did they just go for the big guys? That's part of that quiz we just took. Do you decide who the beautiful people are? Did you want to touch Lady Gaga's dress? I mean, that was the biggest, reddest dress I ever saw in my whole life. But here's what what I want to bring to your attention, now that I've given you all that inaugural stuff for me. Our new president is 78 years old, and maybe this is his habit. But when he and his wife started to go to get in the limousine, Okay, he's just been inaugurated, so he's only been president for a few minutes. But he was vice president. He knows how the deal works and how the doors open and how the Secret Service take care of him. He walked his wife around to her side of the car, helped her into the car, and then he walked himself around the back of the car, and they helped him in the car on the other side. I noticed it. But then so did a few commentators, and then there was this big hooshy hooshy, whatever you want to call it. It was repeated and repeated and repeated, and it was intended to make us see how kind he was. I don't think he intended to do that, to show us how kind he was. I think he's of a vintage of men who opened the door for their wives for the elderly for people they had deep respect for and he did what was a natural thing and he walked and then he turned so courtesy counts courtesy counts frankly i would have liked it if he had done it and nobody had noticed it because everybody does it And it's always there and seen before us that we reach out to take care of someone who has a hard time getting in the car. Now, I have to tell you that I went to modeling school as a young woman, and I learned how to get in a car as a woman with a skirt on, and I wanted to help Mrs. Biden and show her how to get in that car instead of the way she got in it, which was really awkward and hard for her. Okay, that's a little more than you wanted to know about me. So what does it mean to have courtesy and what does it look like? I think the 21st century, we all are aware of the absence of kindness and general respect for one another. And so today I want to give you a few ideas about how to improve that. Peter says, let me remind you of what you already know. I'm not Peter. But I'm Donna Otto, and I know that you join us to hear some of my thoughts and what I believe is important in the life of a wife and a woman and a mother and a homemaker. And I really believe that courtesy counts, and I really believe that I'm not teaching you anything. I'm reminding you of what you already know. And I guess I'd ask the question, based on your evaluation, what have you not been attending to? So there are two important steps. They're both A words. Be attentive and be accepting. Be attentive and be accepting. The value of kindness and respect are wrapped up into courtesy because courtesy counts. Courtesy is a grace-based living grace upon grace as John talks to us about. I have a number of articles that I've gathered <clears throat> that have been published in newspapers, from the Wall Street Journal to local papers in various cities and states, in number of states across the country. But they all basically say the same thing: parents are forgetting to teach manners. One article said gave five situations that they thought parents should have taught their children better manners, better manners in a home, better manners in public places, better manners toward their schoolmates. The questions are asked, did you raise a well-mannered child? I'm not sure how we would define a well-mannered child today. We live in a culture where individuation is very highly prized. So what is a well-mannered child? Is a well-mannered child a child who knows that this is not a time for speaking every thought they have? I I don't know what the definition of a well-mannered child is, but I think there's a part of what these articles and newspapers are saying is, we should be doing this at home, mamas. You should be doing this at home. In a few days, I'm going to add to our people-pleasing material because you've asked about it, and we are going to keep adding information to it. But I'm going to say to you, do you, as a woman, do you, however old you are, however young you are, no matter what economic strategy you have or educational background you have, do you have respect for yourself? Did you hear that question? Do you have respect for yourself? Do you have an absence of self-judgment? I promise you, if you answer that question, I don't think I respect myself very well, then I'm going to tell you, neither do the people around you. If we have no self-respect, if we do not see ourselves created in God's image, a reflection of him and his glory, then there is no way that we can expect others to... (coughs) have respect for us. I have a lot of auto-mottos, and if you're new to this ministry of modern homemakers, maybe you don't know any of the auto-mottos. They're all somewhere on the free resources. Go and get one. We have them turned into a bookmark. If we send you anything, if you buy products from us and we send you anything, you get a bookmark. And one of my favorites is do your best to leave the rest do your best and leave the rest. Courtesy counts is another one of those mottos. It does count. Like choices matter, courtesy matters. Words matter, courtesy matters. Courtesy is your personal code of behavior. And James calls us to pay attention. So I'm going to read to you two passages of scripture. I, I did what I'm Often accused of, and that's a very long introduction, and then I lose my time for the teaching that I plan. James chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to read the nine verses. My brothers and sisters, do you, with your acts of favoritism, really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, here, sit here please, while to the other one is poor, you say, stand over there or sit at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters. Has God not chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into court? Is it not they who blaspheme the excellent name that was invoked over you? You do well if you really fulfill the royal law, or according to Scripture, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor. Ah, <sighs> those are, those are. Those are really strong words. This is James, and I'm asking you, if you want to engage in a discussion with yourself and the Father about your courtesy, I'm asking you to pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention to yourself. Pay attention. Jesus disarms this trap many places in his parables. Many places. Remember that James, like me, is talking to the saints I, I know that the majority of our listening audience are people who profess Christ as their Lord who are engaged in theological conversations and debate and reading of things that encourage them, including the Word of God. But this is James. He's talking to the same group of people, yet he's saying you lack respect. You lack respect for men. You show partiality and judgment and favoritism and prejudice, and you devalue the poor, and you discriminate. Discrimination can be as small as do you give people eye contact. Are they worthy enough for you to look at them in the eye? When I was a young girl, I, let me say this, I'm an old girl now, and I still would never call myself an attractive, I do the best I can with what I have. Don't misunderstand me. And I'm grateful for who I am. But I was a very ugly child. I was poorly dressed. We had no money. I came from a broken home. I never stopped talking because of probably my ADD. I told you my teacher tied me to my seat and put tape over my mouth in the fifth grade. So who was I but a misplacement person? And yet, there I was in this small independent church, and they loved me as if I was the queen. I could have been a princess when I look back at their kindnesses and their love toward me, not because I was bringing any revenue to the church offering, or because I was bringing any honor to God myself, I didn't even know who Jesus was. Do you look over people's heads? Do you see someone coming and avoid them? Do you, do you want to turn your head? Now, if you've ought with someone, you know what the Lord tells us to do. Make it right. Make it right. Most years of my life, I make a phrase. I've mm, done it for maybe 25 or 30 years. And one year I made this phrase. And it was, I wanted to be a miracle to someone every day. I thought that was going to be a really tough assignment. I, I even remember thinking, are you sure? Why should I do that? Why, 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 Well, here's why. Because I discovered that it didn't take much to be a miracle. It, it didn't take much. If I gave up my place on the grocery line, I was a miracle worker. This morning, I visited with my friend about George Mueller, who got on his knees three hours every morning and prayed for the orphanages that God had sent him to do. It was not his first calling. And every day we have these kind of developmental ministry needs around us and the churches we attend to. And I want to say to you that the most important ministry need we have is how we care for others, how we respect others, how we love others as Christ has called us to love God and love others. Mother Teresa is one of my f- most favorite sayings in the world. It, someone asked her about stopping to do something in ministry. She had wonderful remarks um, in her life that are quotable and requotable. But she said, please get out of my way. I'm carrying Jesus. And she had a man in her arms who was on the edge of death. That's what she did. She and the women who worked with her, the men and women who worked for her in the ministry of the women of missionaries of of charity in India. That's what they did. They went out on the byways and the streets, and they found the poorest, the sickest, the most brokenest, the smelliest. I remember being with someone who had just come from Calcutta, and she said, the town smells. And when you get near the poor people who beg on the street, they smell so badly. And it just caused me to think of all the things I've read about how they cared for those people, how they cared for those people. I want you to know that uh, Mother Teresa got herself in a lot of trouble with the church and major organizations because she was accused of not running the organization as well. And She said, uh, this isn't about about sacrifice. This isn't about ministry. This is about being faithful to what God had called her to do. And she did. She did. She spent her life in those streets. She didn't spend her life raising money, although she did raise money in the end of her life. She spent her life with those men and women in the streets of Calcutta and taught and inspired many, including myself, to do the same. In 2 Timothy, I want to read another passage of scripture, a little shorter. Uh, I'm sorry, it's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse fi- 15 through 18. Ready? You are aware that all who are in Asia have turned away from me, including, and he names a few, and may the Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus. So this passage reminds us of Paul who was in his last days writing to Timothy, his young son of the faith. And I think about my young daughters of the faith, and I think I'm too prideful to say, you know what happened to me? They turned away. They said they were my friend, and then they weren't my friend. Did you know that they promised to do something for the ministry and they didn't do it? No, I'm not going to let people know that. But here is Timothy saying, you P- Paul saying to Timothy, watch what happens here. And he gives a real strong definition of what friendship and working together are. So I want to tell you there are a couple of reasons why I think we fail. We're too busy. These are very simple and practical things. We're too busy. We're too busy. Elizabeth Elliot always told me, you have enough hours every day to do the will of God. Enough hours every day to do the work on In addition to being too busy, we, we have too many choices and we don't know how to sort them. I'm, I did a whole series called Choices Matter. 24 hours of teaching that I am still very proud of. It's available on our website. It's called Choices Matter. And you can buy 6 hours of it or 12 hours of it or 24 hours of it. But during that time, writing those, the material, um, Choices Matter stuck in my life. It really stuck. And I still do it. I, I stopped somewhere just at the grocery store myself, my mask, my gloves, my walking up the right side of the aisle, and I was looking for one bottle of molasses. You had no idea how many brands, how many about molasses with, or molasses without. There are too many choices. That's the second thing. When you know what you want, go for it, pick it up, walk away. And thirdly, we let unwholesome things pass before our eyes. I was recently with a group of women who I treasure. I have been in their lives, they have been in my life, For 22 years, I treasure them. And I told them about something I watched on television. And as I told them, I thought, well, that's very honest of you. But as I told them, I felt badly. I felt badly because I had watched it. Not because I told them. It was on the edge of my watching. And I had been very convicted about finding myself in these days of pandemic. Well, what do I do next? I have an extra hour. Or before I go to bed tonight, David and I say, well, what do we want to watch? Oh, we never, we weren't TV people before. Why do I become a TV person now? And we have been very diligently the last few months, um, sitting in front of our fireplace with our chairs in place and our books and our conversations and our podcasts and listening and reading. But that notion of letting no unwholesome thing go before you is an important part of why we lose our courtesy factor. Well, I'm out of time and I'm not finished. I don't know quite what to do about that, but I may move the application of this courtesy counts to the next show and make it very brief. Thank you for joining us. I'm always stunned that you're listening. The metrics tells us that you're everywhere, 35 or 38 countries now. I'm so grateful that you want to come and join us. Remember that we're always happy to receive your notes and emails and questions and responses and suggestions. Look to the website there. Lots of things on the website that will help you. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day in showing courtesy. Well, thank you so much for the many emails and PSs to emails about subjects and things you're interested in hearing from modern homemakers. I always have to say thanks for listening but we want you to continue offering these for the next couple of weeks. The Sermon on the Mount is still on the table, and I think you're laughingly saying she's going to do that anyway. I am going to do some of it, but I also want to know how seriously I should dig into it and how many shows you might be interested in listening to about the Sermon on the Mount. So if you will send us an email. I'm responding to all those emails personally, and I'll look forward to hearing from you and the topics that would encourage you the most in 2021 from Modern Homemakers.